Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 31. Please follow along in your Bibles at home or in church. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 23. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the world's walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's keep that passage open in front of us and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray, please, by your Spirit, that you would teach us now. Help us to learn from these heroes of the faith, this faith honours list. Help us to learn what it means to live by faith, to trust you in this uncertain world and with uncertain futures. Help us to learn to trust you. Amen. As we come out of lockdown, the government has given us a roadmap, hasn't it? That's what it's called it, a roadmap. Uh, dates, where it's saying these are the earliest dates by which we will then hopefully be able to lift some restrictions. And they've given that to us, and it's important that they have, but they've given it to us because that's what we want. We want someone to be able to say to us, this is what's going to happen in the future. This is when things will be safe. This is when it'll be safe to go out of doors, safe to go and meet up with other people, safe to meet with your family, safe to hug your family. This is when it will be safe. But of course the government can't really do that. If we've learned anything from this virus, it's that actually the future is very uncertain. We don't know what things will be like in six months' time, three months' time, even today. What we need to remember is, of course, the roadmap actually ends at our feet. We don't know what things will be like. But that makes us uh, very frightened, doesn't it? Because uh, we want to have security, and so we look to those leaders. We look to the government to say, tell us when it's going to be safe. Or we look to the scientists to say uh, that their vaccines will make things safe. 
we even look to ourselves and we say, well, maybe I can't trust other people, but I, I can trust myself and I can make sure as far as I can that my life is secure, that it's safe. And so I, I will do all that I can. Uh, and so we try to protect ourselves. But we know, don't we, that actually we don't know what's going to happen to us. Even if we shut ourselves away in our houses, we, we can't keep ourselves safe necessarily and we feel very insecure. What does the Bible teach us about how to go forward in this uncertain world? Well, this is where we turn to Hebrews 11 and to these heroes of the faith, the faith honours list. And we come to this bit in Hebrews 11, verse uh, 23 onwards, uh, where we see more heroes of the faith. And generally, these people, they didn't know what was going to happen in the future either. They had as much clue as we do. But we can learn from them what it means to live by faith. Because, you see, God doesn't promise us that if we come to him, that he'll give us a roadmap of exactly what's going to happen in our lives. But he says, trust me. He says you're to live by faith, not by sight. But what does that mean? Well, we're going to learn three things from the faith honours list this morning. And the first is this, faith, not fear. Well, who's the model for this of faith, not fear? <clears throat> it is Moses's parents. See verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses's parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Moses's parents. Well, if you want to read about this, go back to the beginning of the book of Exodus. It's a great read. Uh, you see at the beginning of the book of Exodus that God's people, the Israelites, were in Egypt and they were growing, they were multiplying, they were getting a, a larger and larger people. So the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, uh, decided he, was, he was, had to do something about them. He was frightened of them. And so he enslaved the Israelites and then he decided actually he needed to uh, reduce their numbers. So he put out an edict to say that all Israelite baby boys should be thrown into the river Nile. While Moses' parents had a baby boy, Moses, and they hid Moses, it says, for three months. And it says they didn't fear the king's edict. When a, why has the writer chosen this particular thing to, to bring up? Well, it's because his readers needed to hear this. You see, they used to be unafraid. You know, we learn from chapter 10, the end of chapter 10, that at points in the past, because of their faith in Jesus, they'd been insulted, they'd been persecuted, they'd even had their property confiscated. Well, presumably that's the rulers who are doing that to them. But now they're frightened and they're shrinking back. And the writer is saying, no, no, be like Moses's parents. Don't be afraid. And very often, actually, in the Bible, fear and faith are seen to be opposites. That the answer to fear is faith. And we need to realise, actually, we can be dominated by fear as well, can't we? Fear of what? Fear of illness. 
Maybe fear of death, fear of losing your job, fear of abandonment, fear of loneliness, fear of people, what other people might think of you, fear of disasters. There, there are all kinds of fears that can dominate us, that can mean that as we stand on the edge of the map, uh, that our movements, our next steps are determined actually by our fears. Uh, it may be a myth. But, you know, in films of days gone by, when, uh, when you saw a map and they didn't know what was beyond the edge of the map, they would put, here be dragons. I, I don't know if there were any actual maps with that on them. It'd be interesting if there were. But that can be what we're like. That as we stand on the edge of the map, as we don't know what today will bring, tomorrow will bring, we can think, here be dragons. And some of us are really going to struggle with this as the restrictions are lifted. We need to recognise this. Some are really going to struggle because we're afraid. Afraid to come out. Afraid to be with others. And we've not failed if we're fearful, but we need to tackle those fears with faith. To look to God and we need to imitate Moses' parents and not be afraid, but to have faith. So we tackle fear with faith. Second thing to learn is to look to the long-term reward, not short-term sin. So now we turn to Moses himself. So verse 24, by faith Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. So Moses, Moses who was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, uh, and therefore grew up in the luxury of a palace. But it says here, he refused to be known as Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, and it seems like then it refers to a passage, a particular incident in Exodus 2, when uh, Moses went out and saw a fellow Israelite being mistreated by an Egyptian, and he killed the Egyptian. Well, Pharaoh heard about this, uh, and therefore Moses had to flee. Now, in that moment, what this is saying is, uh, Moses made a choice. He chose to suffer along with God's people rather than just live in the luxury of the palace. Now, maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, there's a parallel with, uh, with something. Maybe because of the last couple of weeks, you're thinking, ah, we've got a prince here who has left living in a palace. Uh, and uh, there are issues of race and there are issues of being mistreated. Seems a bit familiar. Maybe this is a parallel with Harry. Well, maybe, uh, but actually that's not where your mind is supposed to go. We've got to be careful we listen to the text and don't just immediately jump to things in the world around us here. Although actually maybe it's showing that some of the issues in the world around us are actually quite old. But no, this is supposed to remind us of someone, but it's not Prince Harry. No, it's supposed to remind us of Jesus. That's what it says, isn't it? Verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ is of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Now that bit is a little bit tricky to translate. What it really says there is he regarded the reproach of Christ, the reproach of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. 
But even then we go, well, I don't really know what that means. Uh, but it is at least saying this. It's connecting Moses' choice of suffering to Jesus and saying he's foreshadowing, and maybe knew he was foreshadowing Christ's sufferings when he chose what he did. And then the writer in Hebrews connects our suffering with that of Christ's as well. If you just turn over the page to chapter 13, verse 13, it says this, Let us then go to him, that's Jesus, outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. And the word disgrace there is reproach again. So it's saying we actually need to take on the reproach, the sufferings, the disgrace of Christ ourselves. So the writer's saying... Moses was prepared to take the reproach of Christ and we need to as well. That's the connection. We need to imitate Moses. And what was the choice Moses had? Well, it's very clear there, isn't it? It's either short-term pleasures of sin or long-term reward. That's what it's talking about, isn't it? And we need to see that's our choice too. And that the Bible is completely realistic. It is saying, look, the short-term pleasures of sin, they are pleasurable. And that's true. Uh, The Bible doesn't say that sin is always nasty and horrible. Actually, otherwise it wouldn't be a temptation, would it? No, it it is uh, an instant hit, an instant pleasure. The pleasure of, uh, of... drunkenness or the illicit affair or slandering others or trampling over others to get our own way there is a buzz there is a hit but it is short term that's the warning there may be pleasure in it in this life and it may last as long as this life but it is short term it will come to an end and so we need to see actually it that's what our choice is it's instant pleasure of sin or long-term reward and notice that it's not that if you choose god's way in this life rather than uh, the instant pleasure you don't get an instant pleasure from god uh, an instant hit that's what can make that choice so difficult that actually you're looking at long-term reward but it is reward that's what moses chose wasn't it he looked ahead to his reward And that needs to be true for us too. There is no reward awaiting us if we'll be faithful to Christ, if we'll stick with him. Now, maybe you think, well, that that doesn't sound quite right. That doesn't sound right to be just thinking about, well, I'm going to stay faithful for the sake of a reward. That sounds a bit self-centered. Well, this is where it's good to quote from C.S. Lewis. There's a famous quote of his. Brian mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier. And there's a good quote from him about rewards. He says this. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Uh, Lewis is saying there, um, actually the Bible is completely unashamed to say there are rewards 
and they are fantastic. They are wonderful rewards, far better than the instant pleasures of sin of this world. Yeah, they may be long term, but don't be fooled. They are fantastic rewards, and so live for that reward. Uh, don't be ashamed of that. Go for it. And therefore be prepared now to stand alongside fellow Christians who are being mistreated. And that means us being prepared to stand alongside those in the world at the moment who are suffering for being Christians. Uh, like families in Laos that I read of this last week whose homes were demolished because they're Christians and so are having to live rough in the jungles. Or uh, Christians in Iran who are viewed as a national security risk and therefore arrested uh, and imprisoned. Are we prepared to stand alongside them? If things get more difficult in this country for those who hold to biblical teaching, will we stand alongside our brothers and sisters around the world who are being mistreated? Maybe you already know what it's like that maybe people uh, don't like you for the fact that you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you know what it means to be, well, ignored or rejected because you trust in Christ and believe what the Bible teaches to be true. Well, we need to learn from Moses to go for that long-term reward, not the short-term pleasures of sin. Are there things that you need to stop doing now? Things that you need to reject uh, and to stop doing? and to commit yourself to that long-term reward. Well, uh, we learn uh, to go for long-term pleasure, not instant uh, pleasure of sin. And lastly, to trust in God's ultimate deliverance. We don't know the next steps. The map stops at our feet, but we do know the destination. If we're Christians, we do know where we're heading. And there are four examples that, in what follows of God delivering his people. And that's what we're looking forward to as well. Four examples of deliverance. We're going to have to whiz through them fairly quickly. First is verse 28. It says, By faith he, that's Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. What's going on there? Well, um, God's people enslaved in Egypt, God promised that he would rescue them, that he would send the destroyer who would kill all the firstborn sons throughout the land of Egypt. But God's people, the Israelites, their firstborn sons would be safe if they took a lamb, slaughtered the lamb, ate the lamb, roasted uh, that evening, and took the blood of the lamb and painted it on their doorposts. And if they did that, they would be safe. The destroyer would come through the land and pass over their houses. Well, you can imagine an Israelite family in their home having slaughtered the lamb and being thinking, is this really going to happen? Is the destroyer actually going to come? And will this keep us safe? Putting blood on doorposts, is that really going to keep us safe? But it did. The destroyer came through the land, killing all the firstborn sons apart from those where a lamb had been killed and the blood put on the doorposts. God delivered his people. And then the Israelites, therefore, were told by Pharaoh to leave the land. And so we come to the second uh, of these four. Verse 29, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, 
they were drowned. God's people left Egypt uh, and headed out, uh, but Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his army after them. And so you can imagine this sort of rabble of, of slaves who are leaving Egypt and yet this army coming after them and they get trapped. They get trapped by the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army bearing down on top of them. And, and they're, they're panicking. And yet Moses, as God tells him to, raises his staff over the Red Sea and it parts and they walk through as on dry land. And you can imagine for them, those Israelites, the fear of seeing Pharaoh's army behind them and walking through and thinking, how is this going to help? Surely Pharaoh's just going to follow afterwards. But they kept going. They kept walking through that sea. And as they got to the other side, God let the waters go and Pharaoh's army was drowned. God delivered his people. And then, and now there's a fair bit of Israel's history which is sort of swept over. We get to the promised land. They're taken to the land God said he would take them to. And the first city they come to is Jericho. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. You see, they come to Jericho, the first city, and you would think, well, the obvious thing to do is attack the city. But God says, no, march round the city. March around the city once a day for six days and then on the seventh day march around it seven times. So that's what they did. And again you can imagine the Israelites thinking, really? We march around the city? What good is this doing us? But on the seventh time when they blew the trumpets the walls fell down and God's people uh, received the victory from God. It was, a, it was a victory they didn't win for themselves but it was obviously given to them by God. God delivered them. And then uh, the last incident, verse 31, involves Rahab. Verse 31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now notice at the end here you've got uh, the last in this list, before we get to next week's list, uh, the last one here is not an Israelite. She's a Gentile and she's not well respected, she's a prostitute. And yet she's held up as an example of faith because... When the spies came, now this was in Jericho again, this was before the walls fell, the Israelites sent spies in and she saw these spies, these Israelite spies, and she welcomed them in, she hid them uh, because she'd heard about the Lord God and what God had done for his people. And so she protected them. She hadn't got a clue how this was going to work out, whether she would be protected from herself, from uh, the authorities in Jericho. But she hid the spies and so she was delivered too. She wasn't killed with those who were disobedient. Every time deliverance came. And every time God's people had to take steps to show they were trusting God. Uh, putting the blood on the doorposts, walking through the sea, walking round the city and welcoming the spies. What about us? Well, we need to trust God for his promised deliverance in the future. We trust God that ultimately there will be deliverance, that we will come through the sufferings and trials of this life to that new creation he promises. And we can know that because the ultimate Passover lamb was slain, Jesus dying on the cross, so that all who will trust in him will be delivered in the future. And so we can trust him. 
Now you might think, well, it feels a bit crazy, doesn't it? Trusting in Jesus, who died 2,000 years ago on a cross for a deliverance that is in the future. But we need to join Moses and the Israelites and Rahab and say, we're going to trust Jesus, his blood, his death for us. Don't put your faith in other things. We've seen, haven't we, those other things, the, the, the leaders of today, the medics, the scientists, even yourself, you can't deliver yourself. You can't be your own saviour. You can't uh, provide safety for yourself. Only Jesus can do it. And so turn to him. If you haven't done so before, turn to him. If you've done it before, turn back to him. Keep turning to him to trust him for ultimate deliverance through his death. Trust in Christ and take steps today, this week, to keep trusting in his death. And so therefore, as we go forward, yeah, the map stops at our feet. We don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow. But as those who trust in Christ, if you trust in Christ, you need to go forward with faith and not fear. You can go forward looking for the long-term reward, not the short-term pleasures of sin. Trust God for that and trust Jesus for ultimate deliverance. If you've never turned to Jesus before, you can put your trust in him. He is the only one you can trust for the future. Will you turn to him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word and for these heroes of the faith and for what we learn from them. Please help us, uh, though we don't know what will happen even today, Father, please help us uh, to turn to you and put our trust in you and therefore not to be afraid, but to have faith and not to live for the short-term pleasures of sin in this life, but to live for the long-term reward. And Father, please help us to trust you and to trust in Jesus' death for our ultimate deliverance. Father, help us where we are weak, where we are frail, where we are fearful. Help us to turn to you and to grow in faith. Amen.